Chapter 3 Return from the Corporeal to the Spirit Life The Soul After Death Question 149 What becomes of the soul at the moment of death? The answer It becomes again a spirit, that is to say, it returns into the world of spirits which it had quitted for a short time. Question 150. Does the soul after death preserve its individuality? The answer, yes. It never loses its individuality. What would be the soul if it did not preserve it? Follow-up question. How does the soul preserve the consciousness of its individuality since it no longer has its material body? And the answer, it still has a fluid peculiar to itself, which it draws from the atmosphere of its planet, and which represents the appearance of its last incarnation, its perispirit. Follow-up question, does the soul take nothing of this life away with it? The answer, nothing but the remembrance of that life and the desire to go to a better world. This remembrance is full of sweetness or of bitterness according to the use it has made of the earthly life it has quitted. The more advanced is the degree of its purification, the more clearly does it perceive the futility of all that it has left behind it upon the earth. Question 151. What is to be thought of the opinion that the soul after death returns to the universal whole? And the answer, does not the mass of spirits, considered in its totality, constitute a whole? Does it not constitute a world? When you are in assembly, you form an integral part of that assembly, and yet you still retain your individuality. Question 152. What proof can we have of the individuality of the soul after death? And the answer, Is not this proof furnished by the communications which you obtain? If you were not blind, you would see. If you were not deaf, you would hear. For you are often spoken to by a voice which reveals to you the existence of a being exterior to yourself. Kardec adds, Those who think that the soul returns after death into the universal whole are in error if they imagine that it loses its individuality like a drop of water that falls into the ocean, they are right if they mean by the universal whole of the totality of incorporeal beings of which each soul or spirit is an element. If souls were blended together into a mass, they would possess only the qualities common to the totality of the mass. There would be nothing to distinguish them from one another, and they would have no special intellectual or moral qualities of their own. But the communications we obtain from spirits give abundant evidence of the possession of, by each spirit of the consciousness of theme and of a distinct will personal to itself. The infinite diversity of characteristics of all kinds presented by them is at once the consequence and the evidence of their distinctive personal individuality. If, after death, there was nothing but what is called the great whole, absorbing all individualities, this whole would be uniform in its characteristics, and in that case, 
all the communications received from the invisible world would be identical. But as among the denizens of that other world we meet with some who are good and some who are bad, some who are learned and some who are ignorant, some who are happy and some who are unhappy, and as they present us with every shade of character, some being frivolous and others serious, etc., it is evident that they are different individualities, perfectly distinct from one another. This individuality becomes still more evident when they are able to prove their identity by unmistakable tokens, by personal details relating to the terrestrial life and susceptible of being verified. And it cannot be a matter of doubt when they manifest themselves to our sight under the form of apparitions. The individuality of the soul has been taught theoretically as an article of faith. Spiritism renders it patent as an evident and, so to say, a material fact. Question 153. In what sense should we understand eternal life? And the answer, it is the life of the spirit that is eternal, that of the body is transitory and fleeting. When the body dies, the soul re-enters the eternal life. Follow-up question. Would it not be more correct to apply the term eternal life to the life of the purified spirits, of those who, having attained to the degree of relative perfection, have no longer to undergo the discipline of suffering? And the answer, the life of that degree might rather be termed eternal happiness. But this is a question of words. You may call things as you please, provided you are agreed among yourselves as to your meaning. Separation of soul and body. Question 154. Is the separation of the soul from the body a painful process? And the answer is, no. The body often suffers more during life than at the moment of death when the soul is usually unconscious of what is occurring to the body. The sensations experienced at the moment of death are often a source of enjoyment for the spirit who recognizes them as putting an end to the term of his exile. Kardec adds, In cases of natural death, where dissolution occurs as a consequence of the exhaustion of the bodily organs through age, Man passes out of life without perceiving that he is doing so. It is like the flame of a lamp that goes out for want of ailment. Question 155. How is the separation of soul and body effected? The answer, the bonds which retain the soul being broken, it disengages itself from the body. Follow-up question. Is this separation effected instantaneously? and by means of an abrupt transition? Is there any distinctly marked line of demarcation between life and death? And the answer, no, the soul disengages itself gradually. It does not escape at once from the body, like a bird whose cage is suddenly opened. The two states touch and run into each other, and the spirit extricates himself little by little from his fleshly bonds which are loosened, but not broken. Kardec adds, During life, a spirit is held to the body by his semi-material envelope, or paraspirit. Death is the destruction of the body only, 
not of this second envelope, which separates itself from the body when the play of organic life ceases in the latter. Observation shows us that the separation of the perispirit from the body is not suddenly completed at the moment of death, but is only effected gradually and more or less slowly in different individuals. In some cases it is effected so quickly that the perispirit is entirely separated from the body within a few hours of the death of the latter, but in other cases, and especially in the case of those whose life have been grossly material and sensual, this deliverance is much less rapid, and sometimes takes days, weeks, and even months for its accomplishment. This delay does not imply the slightest persistence of vitality in the body, nor any possibility of its return to life, but is simply the result of a certain affinity between the body and the spirit, which affinity is always more or less tenacious in proportion to the preponderance of materiality in the affections of the spirit during his earthly life. It is, in fact, only rational to suppose that the more closely a spirit has identified himself with matter, the greater will be his difficulty in separating himself from his material body, while on the contrary, intellectual and moral activity and habitual elevation of thought effect a commencement of this separation even during the life of the body, and therefore when death occurs, the separation is almost instantaneous. The study of a great number of individuals after their death has shown that affinity which, in some cases, continues to exist between the soul and the body, is sometimes extremely painful, for it causes the spirit to perceive all the horror of the decomposition of the latter. This experience is exceptional and peculiar to certain kinds of life and to certain kinds of death. It sometimes occurs in the case of those who have committed suicide. Question 156. Can the definitive separation of the soul and the body take place for the complete cessation of organic life? And the answer, it sometimes happens that the soul has quitted the body before the last agony comes on, so that the latter is only the closing act of merely organic life. The dying man has no longer any consciousness of himself, and nevertheless there still remains in him a faint breathing of vitality. The body is a machine that is kept in movement by the heart. It continues to live as long as the heart causes the blood to circulate in the veins and has no need of the soul to do that. Question 157. Does the soul sometimes at the moment of death experience an aspiration or an ecstasy that gives it a foreglimpse of the world into which it is about to return? And the answer, the soul often feels the loosening of the bonds that attach it to the body and does its utmost to hasten and complete the work of separation. Already partially freed from matter, it beholds the future unrolled before it and enjoys in anticipation the spirit state upon which it is about to re-enter. Question 158. Do the transformations of the caterpillar, which first of all crawls upon the ground and then shuts itself in its chrysalis in seeming death, to be reborn, therefore, into a new and brilliant existence, gives us anything like the true idea of the relation between our terrestrial life, the tomb, and our new existence beyond the latter. 
And the answer, an idea on a very small scale. The image is good, but nevertheless, it would not do to accept it literally, as you so often do in regard to such images. Question 159. What sensation is experienced by the soul at the moment when it recovers its consciousness in the world of spirits? And the answer, that depends on circumstances. He who has done evil from the love of evil is overwhelmed with shame for his wrongdoing. With the righteous it is very different. His soul seems to be eased of a heavy load, for it does not dread the most searching glance. Question 160. Does the spirit find himself at once in company with those whom he knew upon the earth and who died before him? And the answer, yes, and more or less promptly according to the degree of his affection for them and of theirs for him. They often come to meet him on his return to the spirit world and help to free him from the bonds of matter. Others whom he formerly knew, but whom he had lost sight of during his sojourn on the earth, also come to meet him. He sees those who are in eraticity, and he goes to visit those who are still incarnated. Question 161. In cases of violent or accidental death, when the organs have not been weakened by age or by sickness, does the separation of the soul take place simultaneously with the cessation of organic life? And the answer, it does so usually, and at any rate, the interval between them, in all such cases, is very brief. Question 162. After decapitation, for instance, does a man retain consciousness for a longer or shorter time? And the answer, he frequently does for a few minutes until the organic life of the body is completely extinct. But on the other hand, the fear of death often causes a man to lose consciousness before the moment of execution. Alan Kardec adds, The question here proposed refers simply to the consciousness which the victim may have of himself as a man through the intermediary of his bodily organs and not as a spirit. If he has not lost this consciousness before execution, he may retain it for a few moments afterwards. But this persistence of consciousness can only be of very short duration and must necessarily cease with the cessation of the organic life of the brain. The cessation of the human consciousness, however, by no means implies the complete separation of the perispirit from the body. On the contrary, in all cases in which death has resulted from violence, and not from a gradual extinction of the vital forces, the bonds which unite the body to the perispirit are more tenacious and the separation is effected more slowly. Temporarily confused state of the soul after death. Question 163. Does the soul, on quitting the body, find itself at once in possession of its self-consciousness? And the answer, not at once. It is for a time in a state of confusion, which obscures all its perceptions. Question 164. Do all spirits experience, in the same degree, and for the same length of time, the confusion which follows the separation of the soul from the body? And the answer, no. This depends entirely on their degree of elevation. 
He who has already accomplished a certain amount of purification recovers his consciousness almost immediately because he had already freed himself from the thraldom of materiality during his bodily life. Whereas the carnally-minded man, he whose conscience is not clear, retains the impression of matter for a much longer time. Question 165. Does a knowledge of Spiritism exercise any influence on the duration of the state of confusion? The answer, it exercises a very considerable influence on that duration because it enables the spirit to understand beforehand the new situation in which it is about to find itself. But the practice of rectitude during the earthly life and a clear conscience are the conditions which conduce most powerfully to shorten it. Kardec adds, At the moment of death, everything appears confused. The soul takes some time to recover its self-consciousness, for it is as though stunned, and in a state similar to that of a man waking out of a deep sleep and trying to understand his own situation. It gradually regains clearness of thought and the memory of the past in proportion to the weakening of the influence of the material envelope from which it has just freed itself, and the clearing away of the sort of fog that obscured its consciousness. The duration of the state of confusion that follows death varies greatly in different cases. It may be only of a few hours, and it may be of several months or even years. Those with whom it lasts the least are they who, during their earthly life, have identified themselves most closely with their future state because they are soonest able to understand their new situation. This state of confusion assumes special aspects according to characteristical peculiarities and also according to different modes of death. In all cases of violent or sudden death, by suicide, by capital punishment, accident, apoplexy, etc., the spirit is surprised and astounded and does not believe himself to be dead. He obstinately persists in asserting the contrary, and nevertheless he sees the body he has quitted as something apart from himself. He knows that body to be his own, and he cannot make out how it should be separated from him. He goes about among the persons with whom he is united, by the ties of affection, speaks to them, and cannot conceive why they do not hear him. This sort of illusion lasts until the entire separation of the perispirit from the earthly body, for it only is when this is accomplished that the spirit begins to understand his situation, and becomes aware that he no longer forms part of the world of human beings. Death, having come upon him by surprise, the spirit is stunned by the suddenness of the change that has taken place in him. For him, death is still synonymous with destruction, annihilation, and he thinks, sees, hears, it seems to him that he cannot be dead. And this illusion is still further strengthened by his seeing himself with a body similar in form to the one he has quitted, for he does not at first perceive its ethereal nature but supposes it to be solid and compact, like the other, and when his attention has been called to this point, he is astonished 
at finding that it is not palpable. This phenomena is analogous to that which occurs in the case of somnambulists, who, when thrown for the first time into the magnetic sleep, cannot believe that they are not awake. Sleep, according to their idea of it, is synonymous with suspension of the perceptive faculties, and as they think freely and see, they appear to themselves not to be asleep. Some spirits present this peculiarity, even in cases where death does not supervene unexpectedly, but it more frequently occurs in the case of those who, although they have been ill, had no expectation of death. This curious spectacle is then presented of a spirit attending his own funeral as though it were that of someone else, and speaking of it as something in which in no way concerns him until the moment when at length he comprehends the true state of the case. In the mental confusion which follows death, there is nothing painful for him who has lived an upright life. He is calm, and his perceptions are those of a peaceful awakening out of sleep. But for him whose conscience is not clean, it is full of anxiety and anguish that becomes more and more poignant in proportion as he recovers consciousness. In cases of collective death, in which many persons have perished together in the same catastrophe, it has been observed that they do not always see one another immediately afterwards. In this state of confusion, which follows death, each spirit goes his own way, or concerns himself only with those in whom he takes an interest. For those interested in learning more about Spiritism, you can find the entire The Spirits book on PDF. Look up Allan Kardec, space, PDF, on your favorite search engine. If you wish to explore more about the levels of heaven and the attributes of a spirit and the future of earth, I suggest you read my series of three books, starting with Heaven and Below, next, Spirits and the Spirit Universe, and the third book, How Spirits Guide Us. God bless.